Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris, pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church. This is where I am. If you're joining us by audio or video podcast, God bless you. Welcome to our worship as well. Open your Bibles to John chapter 4. We are in the middle of a message series entitled CrossFit. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. And with that here, if you're worshiping here at Woodburn Baptist Church, at this location, you will find a resource table out front. Uh, We're not trying to sell books to make money. We're trying to put resources in your hand that might help you grow in your own relationship with Christ. Let me uh, tell you a few of what you'll find out there today. These little bitty books, I've shown these to you several times. We have uh, one of these tiny books for most every specific discipline. That, that I'm talking about from the pulpit. This one in particular is on prayer. If you've got a really short attention span and you just need like, just, you know, tell me what I need to know. This little book is, is what you need to know. There are five of these. I, I think that Warren could probably bundle all of them up and give you a good deal. Uh, but anyway, uh, on your way out to either grab the one on prayer or ask Warren for the whole little bundle. But these are fantastic, really good resources. Also on the table today, you'll find many resources related to prayer and Bible study. Uh, I brought two to show you. This was Living by the Book by Howard Hendricks. This is awesome. This is the book that my son Wade asked us to add on the table uh, for your benefit. Living by the Book is a wonderful book on reading scripture. Uh, Bill Hybels' Too Busy Not to Pray is on the table this morning. This is a fantastic book on prayer. And there are probably five or six excellent resources on prayer today. I, I did not bring them all. On the other table, if you're a cheapskate or, or just don't have money to spend and you want free resources, Warren has free resources on the other table. The CrossFit training guide we're using all month long together as a congregation. This is fantastic. If, if by the end of today you're ready to start a new habit of Bible reading, which I'm hoping that you are and, and will be, you'll find a, a passage of scripture assigned to every single day for the rest of, 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 of this time together. So the CrossFit training guide is free. Grab it, use it, and, uh, and we'll read together as a congregation. Also, if you're not familiar with the little book called The Open Windows, uh, Open Windows is actually a Lifeway publication. We've had these all of my life, The Open Windows has been available in the churches where I have worshipped. This is a, a fantastic little guide that every single day of the week, of every single week, you will find a, a short passage to read, uh, and, and then a, a short devotional thought and a prayer for the day. Uh, this is excellent. If you have not read your Bible in years, or you don't have a daily habit uh, of reading your Bible, The Open Windows is probably the place to start. And these are free, always available at church, always free. And I'm telling you, this is the way to go. Uh, Men and women of God throughout our lifetimes have nurtured their spiritual life through the open windows. And and you can do the same thing. That is free. And we always have that on the table for you. Let me just remind you what we're talking about here. We're talking about spiritual disciplines. I know discipline isn't always a a positive word for a lot of us. We don't consider ourselves disciplined. If you say the word discipline, you think of getting, you know, whooped by your dad back in the day or. Or somehow punished by someone, but this isn't exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about re- repeating behaviors, repeating practices that we want to learn how to do. Things that don't come automatically, that we want to practice to the point where they become automatic for us. These are things that we actually want to do as believers, things we want to incorporate in our lives, but things that just come hard at first. It's hard at first. You do it while it's hard until it becomes easy. Spiritual disciplines are biblical practices. We're focusing on practice that either Jesus taught or Jesus modeled. So biblical practices that when done regularly allow us to be with Jesus 
and become like Jesus, transforming us by the power and beauty of the gospel. Today, I want us to focus on this phrase, be with Jesus. Spiritual disciplines allow us to be with Jesus. Now, it's truly the Holy Spirit that allows us to be with Jesus. But as we're going to talk about throughout today, the Holy Spirit, even being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, this does not come naturally for us. We are not born with this ability to listen to the Spirit. We're not born with this ability to be tuned into the spiritual world at all. We have to train ourselves in godliness. We have to train ourselves to be able to be sensitive to the Spirit. We have to train ourselves to learn how simply to be with Jesus. And spiritual disciplines are are one of the ways that we train ourselves to be with Jesus. We just had an an amazing, amazing time of worship in this very room. And and I'm on the front row, so I don't really ever watch you worship. If I were on your pew, I wouldn't watch you worship, y'all. When I worship, I forget y'all are here. Uh, It helps me, honestly, just to forget that you're here and and to worship. Uh, I worship pretty expressively. Um, I raise my hands. I I dance sometimes. I don't mean to dance. It's just when I'm worshiping, I sort of of sway like this. But when I'm swaying, I'm actually walking. I don't know I'm walking. And then sometimes at the end of the song, I like open my eyes. I'm like, you know, you know. You know, I've like walked up here. You know, I can can take steps. it's, It's crazy. Maybe I look foolish, but I don't care. Because it's not for you. I'm not worshiping for you. It's it's not a show for me. If you think that's crazy what I do in the front pew, you should see me at home. Um, Because I'm the same way at home. I, I worship the Lord at home. I start every day with, with music. I, I, I dance, I sing, I talk out loud to the Lord. When nobody's around y'all, I preach to God up a storm. Well, what I want you to understand is to be with Jesus. We're talking about worship here. But when we say worship, sometimes we only think about what happens in the room when we're together. But, but I'm telling you, if you don't know how to worship by yourself, you'll never understand what we do here together. This, this public experience of worship comes from this private practice, this private spring of worship from which you drink every single day of, of your life with Jesus. We're talking about being with Jesus. Now, I'm assuming several things here. I'm assuming that you're a believer, because if you're not a believer, all of this is just weird to you, and that's why it's weird to you. You don't have the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, you can't even understand spiritual things. So that's why you think I'm weird. Now, other people think I'm weird for other reasons, but that's why you think I'm I'm weird. You you just don't have the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm assuming that you're a believer, so therefore that you want to be with Jesus. I'm making an assumption here that you love Jesus. I'm assuming you love him. And my whole life as your pastor, honestly, all I ever want is for you to love him. You just to love Jesus, assuming that you love him and therefore that you want to deepen your relationship with him. You want to know him and and you want to learn how to spend richer, deeper time with him. I'm I'm making that assumption. Have ever not in your life seen somebody who just loved Jesus? I mean, somebody that when, when you really... When you really had a concern, you wanted to ask them to pray for you because something just told you that, that this lady, this man knows how to pray. I mean, you just, you have this great respect for certain people who seem to have this spiritual life that is very genuine and very powerful. Ever seen anybody like that? And see, so often we think, well, you know, they are something that, that you can never be, that I can never be. 
You don't know exactly what the difference is. You don't know what gives them such spiritual power, such spiritual integrity. All you know is they got it and you don't have it. But you need to understand something. What what you've seen in in those who walk closely with the Lord, that's not reserved for just, you know, grandmas and old people or or saints or or, or Billy Graham. We're not talking about it at all. We're talking about the Holy Spirit's work in every single believer. If you want to have what they have, very simply, you just need to do what they do. If you want to have what they have, you just got to do what they do. And for the most part, that person, that, 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 that woman that you know that just prays and you know that she gets a hold of God when she prays, you think that's just magical for her? No, it's because she prays. She prays. I guarantee you she has this daily habit of praying. Occasionally at church, you know, someone will lead in prayer publicly and, and God bless all of us who try to lead. Sometimes when you're, when you're trying to do anything in public, it just gets awkward and you get nervous and, and I know that that's difficult, but, but sometimes somebody will start praying and you just know, man, that person talks to Jesus. It's not a gift that they've practiced this public praying. It's, it's the private praying that is the key. If you want to have what these people have had through the years that you've seen and admired, then you need to do what they did. And I promise you what they have done boils down to probably the three disciplines I want to talk about today, but just briefly. Let me just remind you that the soul of the Christian life is your friendship with Christ. It's not coming to church. It's not putting money in the offering plate. It's none of these things. It's it's your friendship with Jesus. Let's talk about ways to nurture that friendship with Jesus. And for that, let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. In the fourth chapter of John, it's a long story of Jesus talking to one person. Who is that person? It's the woman at the well, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. It's a long conversation. It's an awesome conversation. If you're following on the live event, the study questions tonight will take you a little bit deeper into this passage. But it's just amazing how Jesus keeps wanting to talk about the woman. Jesus wants to get right to her heart, but she keeps changing the subject on her because she doesn't want to talk about herself. She doesn't want Jesus to see her the, the way she's afraid that Jesus will see her. And so therefore she just keeps changing the subject over and over. She changes the subject. Okay. Y'all know the part, if you've read the story, you know, the part where Jesus says, uh, asked about her husband and she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, well, you know, but girl, you just said it you don't have one husband you got five okay that's what just happened and and you got to recognize that it just got awkward you know awkward so she changes the subject one more time and this time she changes the subject to religion now, interesting it's funny how when people really don't want to get personal they change the subject to religion in general and that's what she does verse 19 john chapter 4 verse 19 she changes the subject she says to jesus sir You must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in, say the words, spirit and in truth. 
The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is, say the word, spirit. God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. She says, oh, I, can, I, can, I can tell you, you must be some sort of prophet. You must be some sort of preacher. So I've always had this question. Remember, we were talking about her life. We were talking about her five husbands. Now she's like, well, you know, I've always, you know, settled this for her. I had that question. The Samaritans think you worship on this mountain and the Jews say only Jerusalem. Who's right? She shifts that subject so beautifully, shifts it to religion, but Jesus brings it right back around. Jesus really doesn't answer her question so much as, as supersede her, her question with the truth. She says, uh, 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 let me tell you the truth, lady. The time is coming. Indeed, it's already come. When, when those who truly worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's nothing to do with the mountain you're on. It's nothing to do with your denomination. It's nothing to do with, with what you wear to church. It has nothing to do with the kind of music you listen to in church or out of church. It has nothing to do with whether or not you have women deacons in your church. It has nothing to do with any of these things that, that you religious people want to make such a big deal of. Nothing to do with any of that. Those who truly worship God, he says, are going to worship God in spirit and, and truth. God is spirit. God is spirit. What exactly does that mean? Because this is critical. It's critical. You really must understand what he means here. There are essentially two different dimensions to reality. Understand what I'm saying. There are two dimensions to reality. There is the spiritual realm and there is the material realm, the physical realm. I think this is basic for a lot of you, but some of you may have never really thought this through. There is the spiritual realm and the material realm. Both are real, but they're very different. Now, the material realm, the physical realm, is everything that is available to our senses. The, the physical material world is the world we live in. It's the world that we can see and smell and taste and touch. It's the world that affects us physically. It's the world of money. It's the world of work. It's the world of sickness and health. It's the world of marriage. It's the world of sexuality. It's the world of exercise. It's the world of springtime and winter and fall and summer. It's everything you know by your senses. And, and that is one dimension of reality. Now, for some people, that's all the reality they know. Even some of you, even some of you who are church people who, who sometimes read the Bible and you consider yourself religious, but you're a very material person. You live in the natural world and you really don't have any sort of any sort of orientation toward the spiritual realm. That's the other realm. Now, these two are very different in every single way because the spiritual realm, it's just as real, but it's not accessible to the senses. You don't see spiritual things, not with your eyes. You don't smell, taste, touch, experience spiritual things in the same way you experience physical, material things. Are, are, are y'all with me? Are, are you with me? I would compare it to Wi-Fi. When I walked in the building today, I knew I was going to need Wi-Fi. I use Wi-Fi to change the slides that you see on the screen. We use Wi-Fi for nearly everything that we do anymore. Wi-Fi has become very important. But you can't see Wi-Fi. 
You can't smell it. You can't taste it, touch it. You and I don't even know that we're in the middle of it. It's all around us right now. Actually, I wish it were. It's one of those tough technological days at Woodburn. It's kind of spotty today, but that's the point. We can't discern it. We can't sense it. But, but, but my iPad here, my watch, like all of our devices are tuned for it. I can walk into a restaurant sometimes, and if I've been there before and connected to that Wi-Fi, my phone will automatically connect. I think that's awesome. I wish our church's Wi-Fi worked like that, you know? Because you walk in, and, and, and you just, it's, it's automatic. It just connects. Somehow, my phone is able to, to pull those waves out of the air. What we can't touch, what we can't see, what we can't feel, what we can't measure, what we can't even know, my phone is just tuned to it. My phone receives all of its information. My, my phone is more or less sustained by, by this Wi-Fi that's all around that, that I can't even, can't even measure, can't even sense. And, and the spiritual world is somewhat like that. This is what I'm explaining to you. The spiritual world is like that. There is an entire dimension to reality that is not available to your senses. You can't see it. You can't taste it. You can't touch it. You can't hold it in your hands. You don't feel it with your body the way you feel the wind or the, or the way you feel the heat. It's completely different, totally different dimension of reality, but just as real. It's the spiritual realm. And this is why people get very, very confused because they want to approach spiritual things by material means. They want God to somehow always conform to their way of being in the world. And it doesn't work that way. That's why I have this tremendous divide these days between people who want to fight about God or science. You see, it's two ways of approaching reality. And it's not an either or. You don't choose either to believe in science or believe in God. You're talking about two very different ways of, of describing reality. And you have to learn to understand that. It's different ways of looking at the world. There's the material, the physical realm, and there's the spiritual realm. And God is spirit. God is spirit, which means God belongs to that spiritual realm. You're not going to see him. That's why we can't wait around for scientists to prove God. Y'all, that's just stupid. That's just stupid. They're not going to prove God. Scientists deal with the physical material realm. That's all they work with. They have the periodic table of the elements. Those are the elements of the physical chemical world. And God doesn't belong to that. He's outside of that. He's beyond that. It's the material world and there's the spiritual world. And God is spirit. So those who worship God, those who find relationship with God, those who come to know God, they've entered into a spiritual life. A spiritual life. That means that for some of us who, who learn to know God and love God in this way, we begin to recognize that there is a dimension of reality that is separate from everything we see, taste, touch in the world. And, and we learn to value things differently. You begin to learn that all of the most valuable things are not the things in the material, physical world. Because everything in the material, physical world, it breaks down. It's called entropy, right? You did this in science class. I mean, all of it, it breaks down. Nothing in this world lasts forever. Nothing at all. It all passes away. So everything that's related to this physical world, 
every person that you know, all the money that you can make, your house that you love, your dog that you love, your cat that you love. I don't understand that, but those of you who love cats, they don't love you back. That's the weird thing, y'all, but I, I digress. That's the material world. It's, it's the physical world. That's the world you're born in. When you emerged from your mother's belly and they cut the cord and they smacked you on the rear and you cried and you puked and they fed you. I mean, you came into life in this material world. And for some period of that life of yours, that's all you knew. Eating and, and sleeping and crying and pooping. And some of you, that's still all you know. <laughs> Because that is the material world. But I'm telling you, there is, there's more. There's more. It's the spiritual world. That is the world from which God calls us. And that is the world in which you have your relationship with Jesus. Now, you're still going to live in this world. I'm not saying they're, they're divided like that. But I'm just saying Jesus is not a part of this physical world anymore. Once he was, but not anymore. We don't know him in the flesh any longer, the scripture says. So here's what we're talking about. We're talking about your growing in your spiritual life. Your material life is doing just fine. It's your spiritual life that needs work. The material life comes naturally. You're going to sleep. You're going to eat. You're going to work. Some of you, you, I mean, you're going to live in this world, in the material world. It's the spiritual world that is foreign to you. You don't know that. You don't see that. And it's hard for you at first to value the things that are eternal, the things that you can't taste, touch, measure, put in the bank. So this is what spiritual disciplines are about, and especially the three we're going to talk about here in just a moment. These are perhaps, of all the ones we talk about, the three that, are, that, that, are, that, were, that will help you in the most powerful way to learn to lose yourself in the spiritual world, to, to learn to divorce yourself from the, from, from the material world. Now, in your spiritual life, we've said this, you must strive for continual growth. You're always growing. Because as I said, the spiritual life doesn't come naturally for you because it's not natural, it's supernatural. And so you have to practice, you have to train yourself, you have to stop and, and, and listen for God's voice, a spiritual voice. It's not going to be a voice like when your mama calls you from the other room. It's a, it's a spiritual voice. It's a different kind of listening, a different kind of hearing, just as real, but not material, not physical. You have to learn that. You have to learn to hear that voice. You have to learn to think spiritually. You have to practice living spiritually. So you strive for continuous growth, knowing that slow change is lasting change. This isn't going to happen to you overnight. I'm not just going to preach one sermon and suddenly all of you can get conked in the head and be spiritual giants. No. No, the best thing that could happen today, though, is if is I could say something or the spirit could move you in a way where you would begin some little change, a, a little daily change that you would continue in over time. I would suggest three. We, we, we want to talk about prayer. We want to talk about reading your Bible. And when we talk about giving. Because these little practices, I mean, little changes, if you would just start reading your Bible, I would say 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. That's nothing, but it's a place to start. 
If you'd read your Bible and pray 10 minutes a day, that little change over time, I'm saying 10 minutes a day for, the, for every day for the rest of your life, y'all, over time, that's going to make a tremendous spiritual difference in your life. Just that small a change. And that's what's so devastatingly tragic about a congregation like ours. Because we don't have spiritual giants. We have a lot of spiritual midgets. Is that a, is that, a, do we say midget now? Is that sp- spiritual little people? Spiritual little people. We're not growing. We're not growing. And the bottom line is we don't have a daily practice. We don't have any, any daily practices that, that help us move more and more toward God in, in the spiritual. We're not nurturing a spiritual life. We nurture a material life. So let's talk first about the discipline of giving. Let's start right there. Y'all thinking, oh, Pastor Jim, why you got to start there? Why you always talk about money? I'll tell you one thing. You, Pastor, all you talk about is money. Must be all you think about. Okay, when y'all say that, you're saying a lot more about you than you're saying about me. Because I, I rarely talk about money. I just rarely talk about money. It's really not. And I probably should talk about it more for the reasons I'm about to describe to you right now. Because money's not really about money. It's about your heart. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And honestly, y'all, some of us just love money. Some of you love money. The, the, the way that you know that you love it is when I talk about it, you get really uncomfortable. You're the person that says, why are you always talking about money? Even though I haven't talked about money since last year, September. But you know when you go to the doctor and the doctor starts poking you? Why does he do that? Why does a doctor make you stand there and he starts poking you in your belly like this? Why does he do that? Because he's just poking until I go, oh, you know, like he pokes me in the pancreas and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, he's just poking. He's just poking to find out which place is tender, which place is sensitive. And probably that's the place that needs the healing. That's the place that needs the therapy. So in my preaching, if I'm just poking around and I get some money and you go, well, that's a pretty good sign that this is where you need the work. It's a pretty good sign that this is where your heart is. Now, remember, there's a material world and a spiritual world. And the, the, your life with money is all about the material world. Let, let, let's, let's just get real. Your life with money is all about what you can have. Some of you just like to have it. You don't spend it. You got the first dime you ever earned babysitting or, or feeding chickens or whatever you did back in the depression. You still got this, the first dime. And man, you never, I mean, you, you, can, you, you can pinch a penny so hard you squeeze a booger out of Abraham Lincoln's nose. And that is you. You just pinch it and squeeze it and you're never going to let it go. And that's just you. Because for you, money is secure. Your money is your security. You need to have it to feel secure in this world. Now, as admirable as that may be for those of you who came through the depression or whatever, I mean, that sounds like an admirable quality and good stewardship is an admirable quality, but there's something spiritually misguided about thinking that anything in the material world can provide you security. All of your money can be gone in an instant, worthless paper. It's nothing, and it cannot provide the security that you think. It just can't. 
And besides, I mean, when all of a sudden you get diagnosed with cancer or all of a sudden your wife walks out on you, whatever, all the money in the world doesn't change those situations. Money can't buy the things that are most important. So money itself can't be your source of security. At the same time, there's nothing you can buy, nothing on sale at the mall, nothing on Amazon that can possibly add anything to your life. Now that's the myth, that's the deception, that that pair of earrings, that that dress, that that pair of shoes, that that, you know, cartload of merchandise from Hobby Lobby will turn your house into a home. No, no. Why do you think it's 50% off at Hobby Lobby? It's junk. If you didn't buy it, they'd eventually throw it in the dumpster out back. And one of these days, real, real soon, you're going to throw it in the dumpster out back of your house. Or you're going to have a yard sale and sell it for a nickel. So understand, it was worthless from the beginning. It was always worthless. But in that moment, you think you can't live without it. It seems like it's going to add something to your life. It can't. It's worthless. It's material. And if you're going to have any kind of spiritual life, you've got to learn to transfer your heart from the material world to the spiritual world. You have to break your attachment to material things. You, You have to. You cannot give your heart to things down here. You can't love your house like that more than you imagine your home in heaven. You can't love your money like that. You can't love possessions. You just can't love this world like that because when you do that, you you connect yourself to things that are worthless and things that are passing away. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is why money is a spiritual issue because as long as you love it, it, it impedes your spiritual life. It keeps you attached to the material world. I'm trying to make sense. Is this making sense? So it's not that you don't understand. You're just mad at me now. I would say that the easiest way to know whether or not you love money is to pay attention to how easy it is for you to give it away. One of the fruits of the Spirit, the spiritual world, one of the fruit of the Spirit is generosity. And as the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, and as you begin to grow spiritually, then that, 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 that grace of giving becomes a, a very joyful thing. God loves a cheerful giver. So giving is a discipline that we practice because giving helps us practice divorcing ourselves from attachment to the material world. That makes sense? So that's why we give. It's not just so that we can have nice things at church. It's not just so that the preacher gets paid. It's not about any of these things. This is a spiritual thing. You need to give so that you can practice cutting the ties between you and this, and this material world. You need to give. You need to practice being generous. Look for opportunities just to give more and more and more. Just look for opportunities to turn it loose. Because your money can do nothing for you in this life and absolutely nothing in the life to come. Practice, practice cutting loose from it. It's called giving, and it's a discipline. Now, two more, and I'll go, I'll, I'll go quickly. As I said, in order to pursue a spiritual life, you must continually practice divorcing yourself from attachment to material things. We have to make this passage, this passage into the spiritual life. So let's talk about two more things, prayer and Bible study, and I'll come back to these even again. 
I feel like prayer and Bible study are the two disciplines we've talked about more and most through the years. So it's not that I don't feel like you need to hear more about it. It's just I really do feel like most of you understand these principles. You understand prayer. Now, we complicate it because we want to think that maybe we can't do it. Or maybe the devil tells us that prayer is something really complicated. But it's not complicated. If you really want to do it, you'll find a way. Now, according to Scripture, the best time to pray is always and continually. Pray without ceasing, Paul says, which means you just don't ever stop praying. Now, obviously, you're not driving down the road, you know, with your eyes closed and your hand. I mean, you know, it's, it's not exactly like that. I mean, it's not that I'm, I'm constantly in, in, in words of prayer, but I should always be in an attitude of prayer. You know, birds aren't always flying, but they're always in an attitude of flight. You know, a bird, if you clap your hands, can fly instantly, and you should be in prayer like that. Your heart can go to prayer instantly because you live your life in the presence of God. This is a spiritual awareness. You you with me? It's a spiritual attainment to be able to recognize that you're constantly in God's presence, and therefore, you can talk to him at any time. That's a spiritual awareness that you need. And you practice it by praying. You just talk to God, recognizing that that he is present with you, always present. And and he listens. You can talk to him. And you can listen for him. Prayer isn't always just you blathering on and on about yourself and your life. No, God will take what he can get. He loves you. He loves that relationship with you. I don't think there's a way to pray wrong. But there are certainly ways to pray better. And the more you pray and the more you begin to have your heart shaped by his heart, then you'll notice that your prayer life will change and the things you pray for will be different. You know, early on as a child, you you know, you're taught to pray at bedtime and pray at mealtime. And at mealtime, you thank God for food. And and that's supposed to make you aware of the fact that if he provides your food, he's providing everything else. And you pray at the end of your day, you pray when it's time to go to bed to recognize that it's God who brought you through this day, God who will sustain you through the coming night, and if you see tomorrow at all, it'll be God's breath in your lungs. Understand? It's that training children to to be aware of, of God's presence all the time. Problem is, some of us never grow past that. Some of you still only pray if you pray at mealtime. Or only pray if you pray with children at bedtime and you've really not grown past now, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayers. You know, some of you right now, you, you say that you're not a spiritual person. You say you're not a believer. And honestly, it, it's, it's not because you don't believe. It's that you still never really moved past the now I lay me down to sleep kind of relationship with God. You need to push past that. God is grown up and you should grow up too. You should engage him as a grown man now, as as a grown woman, and and really begin to see how he wants to affect and change your life. We're not just now, you know, you know, thank you, God, for our food. But prayer is a way of being in the world. It's it's an awareness of being with God. And the best time to pray is always and continually. Now, here's the danger. Since you can pray at any time, always, the danger is that you'll pray at no time. Because you can always pray. So the danger is, you know, I'll just pray later. You get up in the morning, you realize you should stop and pray, but gosh, you're already late for work, so you go to work. And, you know, you can always pray on your break, but then break time comes, and and prayer time never comes. I mean, some of us literally live lives without ever really speaking with God. And that's a tragedy. 
And I would even say that if you live a prayerless life, then you do not have a spiritual life. I mean, prayer is the language, the language of relationship. It is the language of dependence. It is the fire that burns in your spiritual life. If you have no prayer life, you have no friendship with Christ, and friendship with Christ is the soul of your relationship with Christ. You have to pray. Pray always. Pray continually. There's terrible danger that you'll never, ever pray. And honestly, some of us never, ever do. So you've got to set time aside. It's just where the discipline comes in. You, you make prayer important by, by putting it ahead of everything else. And if you don't schedule some time, if you don't sort of make an appointment, a daily appointment with God, you'll never meet with him. You've got to make this a discipline. And with that discipline, I would say, is Bible reading. Often prayer and Bible reading go together. I find that reading my Bible actually nourishes my prayer life. So much of what I find in the Bible is is the language of prayer. People dealing and wrestling and talking to God. And when I see the way they did it, when I see what God brought them through, I begin to learn what God can bring me through. Reading the Bible enriches my prayer life, and my prayer life enriches my Bible life. See, the problem is, on the one hand, the Bible's just a book. So even today when I say you need to read your Bible, I'm really not going to step into like, and here are 10 steps in reading your Bible, because I think that overcomplicates it. I think you know how to read a book. So get a Bible and read it. It's not complicated. Read it. It doesn't work just sitting on your nightstand gathering dust. The fact that you have a nice Bible means nothing if you don't read it. Matter of fact, if you don't read your Bible, you're no better off than people that don't have a Bible. Just read it. Read it. It's a book. Read it. But it's not a book like just any book. I mean, I can't leave it at that. And that's your other problem. You just want the Bible to be a book about you. So when you go to read it, you're looking for yourself in it. And so you don't even read that often, but you know, something happens and then you run to the Bible. It's like your dog dies. So you go to the Bible going, okay, Labradoodle, Labradoodle, Labradoodle. It's not there. It's not there. Where's Labradoodle? Labradoodle's not there. God didn't make them. Labradoodle, you know, that, that, that's something else. You know, you got this chemistry final coming up. So you run to the Bible, chemistry final, chemistry final, chemistry final. You know, it's, it's not a book about you. Now, in this book, though, you encounter a, a living speaking voice. And this is spiritual. And I know some of you at this point think I'm crazy because you're not spiritual. But, but, but when you understand the spiritual life, you recognize that this is not an ordinary book. You read it like a ordinary book, but as you read it, there is a living presence that calls out from these, these pages, and whether it's the loss of your dog, or a, a test at school, or a test in your marriage, there is a God who knows and understands you, and a God who has given us his living word. With, with principles of wisdom that we apply to our life every day. You, you plant your life in the pages of this book and the roots of your soul grow deep into God. If you say it's a boring book, all that tells me is that you've never read it. 
If you say the Bible doesn't speak to you, then that tells me one of two things. Either you don't know the Lord and you don't have the Holy Spirit, or you're not reading it. The Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, able to separate bone from marrow. I mean, it cuts us. It cuts us deep. But but it's, it's the kind of surgery that we need in our lives. We're talking about growing in your spiritual life. Some of us don't even have a spiritual life. We don't pray. We don't read God's Word. And we love material things way too much. If we're ever going to know God and love God, be with Jesus, become like Jesus, we're going to have to make some changes. And I would say these three right here are are probably your place to start. Start giving, giving your material things away. Live a little more simply. Learn to divorce your heart from its love of this world. Separate from that attachment. Giving allows you to do that. It's difficult at first because you love your money, but the more you do it, the more cheerful your heart becomes because you find out that your real treasure is not here but in heaven. And once your treasure is in heaven with Christ, you learn to love him. You treasure that relationship with him, and that's why talking with him, listening to him, being with him becomes a joyful way of being in this material world. It's a spiritual reality that people can't see, but in your heart, you've always connected to him. It means you can pray always and at any time. And even sometimes in the middle of everything else, your heart is praying. It's a beautiful way of life. Do do you know what I'm talking about? And to open your Bible, not when the preacher says open it, but when you are home alone in front of the Spirit and just say, God, speak to my heart today. And you read. In just a few moments, something leaps from the page. It's It's a commandment that you understand you need to obey. It's... It's a direction for your life that lets you know the next step to take. I mean, when you read with that attitude of obedience, the Bible speaks. The Bible speaks when you listen. And the only way to listen to a God who is spirit is to practice and nurture and develop a spiritual life. I want to encourage you to make a small change. I would say start with 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. Some of you would say it's got to be in the morning, and for a lot of us it is the morning because if you don't do it first thing, it'll, it'll get pushed out and you'll never do it. Some of you are going to be better at night, honestly. Some of you aren't morning people, so night's better. It doesn't matter when you do it. There's no rule here. You just need to do it. You set a time, make it 10 minutes, and, and make this at first a discipline that you won't break. It'll be hard. But, but make a commitment to do this and do this. Grab the open windows. Let it guide you to a 10-minute devotion every single day. Or, or just find your Bible and start in Genesis and just start reading. That There's no one way to do this. But if you will begin to open your heart to the Spirit, the Spirit will teach you how to live spiritually. Make a small change. Stick with it. And see what God will do with your life. Pray with me. God, it's, uh, it's arresting. It's, it's embarrassing when we stop and realize how very material our lives are. 
God, sometimes even when we pray, all we pray about are material things, Lord. We're still just praying about our bodies and about our money and, and about things down here in this life, Lord, our jobs, our cars, our kids. God, God if that is how we think, if that's where we are, Lord, then I guess that's how we will pray. But will you not help us to grow past that? Lord, will you not just teach us that there is a dimension of reality that is absolutely unavailable to all of our senses, and that's where our true life is hidden with you, O Christ, in God. So help us to rediscover where life is and what life is about. and Help us, Lord, to break this attachment we have to the physical, material, natural world. Help us to live supernaturally and spiritually. Oh God, you and you alone are spirit. So teach us to worship you, to love you, to seek you, to walk with you every day in spirit and truth. Pray these things in the name of Jesus, who is himself the truth.